You're listening to the podcast of Always Forward, the church planting initiative of the Anglican Church in North America, helping plant gospel-centered, sacramental, missional churches. For more information and resources, please visit always-forward.com. Hey, church planters, welcome back to another episode of the Always Forward podcast with... Dan and Sean. Dan Alger, Canon Church Planting for the uh, Anglican Church in North America. Sean McCain, Church Planter Extraordinaire from Austin, whoa, whoa, Texas. Whoa. South Austin. South Austin is different than just Austin, isn't it? Extraordinaire is a bit much. I barely know <laughs> what I'm doing. Let's let's all just be honest. This here. is radio. You got to hype things up. Though. Oh, that's right. Right. I'm hyping. Still, let's be honest. Yeah. You can do your monster truck thing if you want to, Sean. No. I haven't done that in a long time, and I know people are are dying to hear that again, but I think they need to work for it, and okay. that means they have to go find that episode. We'll just we'll just tease them. A little we'll, Easter egg. We'll wait. We'll give them some expectation, which leads into our discussion <laughs> for today. We're talking about pro. <laughs> we're talking about Advent today. Advent, the uh, this the season of the church year that uh, begins this week, um, and is the first season of the church calendar. Uh, and it begins this week. And we want to talk a little bit about um, about how we and we've we've had discussion over this word. At leverage Advent seems like really, I don't know. I don't like that. It seems too utilitarian or something. It's sort of. Uh, live into the season of Advent, take advantage of the gift of Advent, of something within our within our church plant setting. How about just like be Advented? Uh, it's Let it do its thing on you. Let it you be ad- advantageous. It. advantageous. Let Advent master you. <laughs> yes. No, not advantageous. Not advantageous. Be Advented. Oh, Hashtag. That's, will, a, that's great. Yeah. No, I think it's true, right? Like, and I can't, I can't, uh, I don't know why I can't describe to you why it is, Dan, but I'm just like ready for Advent. Yeah. You know, and it's towards like the end of ordinary time. It's been a long year and it just feels like that kind of relaunch, especially church planners know the kind of, uh, fall momentum things start kicking up again and you find yourself in this rhythm of life. That's just a little tiring right. by the time Advent rolls around, the rest of the world is going to crank up even more. And the church gets this opportunity to like downsize in terms of its calendar, its pace, its rhythm, the way that it's eating and drinking and doing everything just kind of reduced and creating the space in, in a sort of mini Lent, getting ready for the party that's to come on, on Christmas Day. Yeah, and, and I've, I think it's such a beautiful and important season, but it's, it's such a misunderstood season in a way and uh, um, sort of misexperienced. I don't know if that's a word, but, um, but, but what I mean by that is I think you're exactly right. There's sort of a, there's a feeling of kind of a winding down, a wrapping up, a, uh, but at the same time, there's this sense of everything starts to really lean towards Christmas now. Uh, and so there's a, there's a, there's a ramping up at the same time as there's a wrapping up. It's this weird kind of like our culture is all about, uh, is all about we're we're already getting in the mindset of Christmas and leading up to that. But then there's also school is winding down. Work tends to get a little bit slower, oftentimes for well, depending on your profession. But uh, in uh, in this time of year, so so uh, so how how would you describe to your to your church plant to your congregation? Um, just let's get all on the same page. What is Advent, yeah. Sean? Let's do that first. What is Advent? Yeah, and and by the way, I. 
I do this in newsletters, but oftentimes I do this at the beginning of sermons um, or even announcement times saying, hey, to our congregation, you should assume that our, there are people there who have no idea what you're talking about yep. when you say the word Advent. Yep. Even if you know for sure that <laughs> no one there um, is, uh, is unfamiliar with this, you should still say it so that everyone who's there goes, wait, we should have people here who yes. are unfamiliar with this term, yeah. right? Yep. So we say things like, hey, if you are totally unfamiliar with the party life of the Christian church, Advent is a time when we're preparing for a gigantic feast coming at the end of the month, December 25th, which is Christmas Day. And in this time, we describe to them, everything goes purple, um, just like Lent. There's we, the same we kind use, of— We use blue. Well, you could do that too, but we like purple. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, like we, <laughs> it's just expensive to get all this blue stuff too, you know. Anyways, so we go purple. We, we actually green the church. Um, we had a wreath building party last Sunday and uh, we handed out um, wreath making materials and had a potluck in these prayers that families would do at home as they light candles in the Advent wreath. So there's a little bit of an introduction there. And then while we're doing that, we green the church. So we, we have these long strands of, of um, greenery that we, adorn the church with. It's really beautiful. So when people come in um, December 1st on the first Sunday of Advent, everything's purple and there's all this greenery. And so it's just a signal of this different season. And in that season, um, we're not jumping straight to Christmas like it seems the rest of the world is. <laughs> like, I have, I even have neighbors. I don't know how, if, how it is where you are, Dan, but in Texas, people put up their Christmas lights before Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's like, that crazy. Like Thanksgiving gets jumped over because it's sort of Halloween, then East, then uh, then Christmas. Halloween, Christmas. Yeah. It goes Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, I, I I love the season of Advent. I, I really do, and uh, and I think it just it, it's it's a wonderful way for our the experience of the Christian life uh, to be to be countercultural in a beautiful way of bringing peace to what can be a very ragged, stressful preparation that is the cultural way of preparing for this winter holiday that they call Christmas, um, as opposed to a a thoughtful, reflective, um, repentant, um, penitent Mm -hmm. time of, of sort of laying things down before we welcome Christ in. Yeah, like examining your life yeah saying okay before i fill this with a bunch of stuff to make me feel better about something what's going on here yeah. there's there's two key times of the year to do this and Adv- advent's one of them and i think it's really important to acknowledge also that advent isn't just preparation for the birth of christ yeah. it is the signal of um and preparation for the return of christ um even more so for us um now that the birth of Christ is a historical reality that we still celebrate and participate in, mm-hmm. but also the the um, coming again, as we announce in the liturgy, um, Christ will come again. That's the thing we're also anticipating in Advent. So in Advent, you'll see a lot of readings um, from the prophets, um, a lot of uh, kind of warnings and call to examination. You'll you'll get to experience with Mary. Um, uh, her her own kind of moment in Advent as she's preparing for the birth of the Lord. But this this whole purple Advent season is one of preparation and examination, mm-hmm. signaling to the world, before you go stuff yourselves with things, mm-hmm. um, you should actually, maybe we should repent, maybe we should examine our lives and, and realize 
there's no peace. We say peace, but there's no peace here. Uh, we're, everything is not okay. And to kind of press pause on that and let all of the, the demons, so to speak, that we have so oppressed throughout the pace of our life to kind of come up and then to deal with those things and to examine and, um, and align ourselves again with the kingdom of God and receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers. This, I'm telling you guys, this is the way to prepare for, for Christmas. Yeah. Not by getting busy, but yeah. actually by dealing with your stuff. Well, and, and I think that, you know, a, a Christmas without Advent leads to depression, because it totally because, does. Because because when you take Advent out of it, there's I mean you hear about I don't know if it's true or not. It's at least anecdotal of you know depression goes up at the holiday season and suicides go up um, at the holiday season. Um, but if if you don't have Advent in you you just you you have this idealized sense of what Christmas is supposed to be and uh, and uh, and when it's not that. When it's not perfect with your family, when it's not, when you don't have enough money to buy all the consumer stuff that you want to, and things are when when things are not perfect in this winter wonderland, you don't have any way to process through that if you don't have Advent that says no, that's exactly right. Things right now are not perfect, but what we have is an expectation, and we're celebrating the first inroads of of the kingdom breaking in with 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 the birth of Christ. Um, Robert Weber in his book Ancient Future Time talks about this well. He he talks mm. about there's really three Advents um, that we're looking at. That one is the is the uh, it, we're looking at the the first coming of Christ. Um, and the the preparation for that, we're remembering that, um, but we're also looking forward to the second coming of Christ when He will we will come in His glory. But then there's a third advent, which is which is Christ coming again in new ways in our own hearts, um, so that so that as we as we experience the remembrance of the birth of Christ and we look forward to the coming of Christ, that we're asking Him. Be come again anew. Um, it, be revealed again in my heart. Mm, that's great. So some of the, I mean, it, but it doesn't have to be all like um, awful and depressing and just like miserable. No. Here's here's a few things. Here's what Advent looks like at Res. Um, we we make a, a point to revive the practice of confession. So I'll hear confessions Sunday mornings at nine a.m. People come early to do that. A lot of people who have never done that before are really intimidated by it. We kind of say, hey, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal, but it's like it doesn't have to be a scary thing. Um, here's what the, the confession service looks like. We try to educate and walk people through it so that they know, like, oh, this is how it's supposed to go. That gives them a real concrete way of participating. We yeah. have a, a – Wait, a, I want to pause on that for just a second because yeah. we, we had a great meeting here at, at Redeemer where, where I attended yeah. and am a part of um, about – because uh, we're taking confessions uh, during during Advent as well as the clergy team here, and we talked about it because we have people in our clergy team, some of which are lean more Anglo-Catholic in their way of understanding, mm, yeah. and some that are much more Reformed in their way of understanding. One of the great parts of our conversation last night was how um, uh, was how the the liturgy of the reconciliation of the penitent um, is a it, it crosses those boundaries of. 
evangelical Catholic all yeah. that of in in understanding the the priest receiving confession that way is just a beautiful transcendent thing uh, across yeah. uh, across. Now there might be some some differences on understanding exactly what's happening during that time, but if we lean into a little bit of of mystery, then the evangelicals and the Anglo Catholics can come together and both receive confession from folks in in uh, in the Anglican tradition, and it's a beautiful gift, I think, during Advent. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. And if you haven't ever done it, just go sneak into a church that does it and like, you know, don't wear your collar or something. <laughs> I mean, just sneak in and do it and then and then yeah. then make an opinion about it. I think you just have it's one of those things you kind of have to jump in and, yeah. and be available, make yourself available to the ministry of of God in that thing. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Another thing we do that's pretty fun. Because confession can be fun too. But another thing we do that's pretty fun is on December 6th, we do the feast of uh, Saint Nicholas. Yeah. We dress up some poor guy in our church, whoever it is, um, to be Bishop Nicholas. And he comes out in this bishop's— Punches everybody in the face. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> well, we go to our local <laughs> pub, actually, and we do it in public. And we're, we, you know, we everybody's singing carols and, and, and having a drink together and snacks. And the kids are all around and eating candy like crazy. And we hand out these lyrics even to bystanders who are there. And we're singing these, these uh, carols. And then Bishop Nicholas comes out and tells stories about who he was and what he did and, and essentially lays out the gospel in his storytelling. And it's amazing. The kids love it. These bystanders kind of catch some of the gospel. And then we get back to singing and, and uh, get to know people. It's, it's really a lot of fun. Now, is he so, dressed in like the traditional red robe with the long white beard oh, yeah. and stuff too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, not like, the, not like the, the traditional Santa Claus kind of outfit is a little, I don't know. It's... <laughs> I think Bishop Nicholas would have something to say about it. Let's just say that, right? <laughs> so we put him in like the the Episcopal garb, yeah. you know, the, the the real deal, the miter and the cope and just nice. – it's, it's really good. Nice. So we have a good time with that. Um, we also – we invite people to – one of the things we'll do is invite people to go through a book together, like a devotional book. This year we're going through uh, Walter Brueggemann's Celebrating Abundance. Um, Brueggemann's got a lot of good stuff, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of really good – there's another Advent. I don't know. If this is so much devotional as it is just some good reading by Fleming Rutledge called Advent. It's a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are real, especially if you're not meeting as a church publicly and you have services. One way to onboard your people into these rhythms is to say, email out and say, "Hey, here's the book we're going to be reading through together. Pick this up." Uh, read it devotionally. Let's spend some time reflecting when we get together. There's tons of things like that that you can do between parties and devotional reading that you can do to help on-ramp your people into the Advent rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. We, right. and one of the things that we're doing too is that we are uh, we are giving out handouts and such and putting it in the emails and everything and um, encouraging people to memorize the proper preface for Advent. Um, because it's such a beautiful prayer, and it's something that we share corporately, of course, each week as we share in the uh, in the in the the communion meal, and so we're inviting them to share in that in their own personal devotion as well, and just memorize that uh, that prayer because it, it is beautiful. And we should tag again here again if you don't have a publicly meeting church, make Advent wreaths, get together, make Advent wreaths, and have people do little Advent liturgies at home. Yeah, so, um, so talk to me about Advent wreaths. You know, some people are like, yeah. and they sort of sneer and roll their eyes at Advent wreaths because it's, I mean, it is relatively, Why? it's, well, because, look, who we did, does that? Does we, anyone really do that though? Yes. Because, Nobody does that. It, it, because, 
because we have pretentious Anglicans that, that hang no. out in our, in our world. Go back and listen to our episode on how to be an Anglican and not be a jerk, and it'll all, it'll all fill, a, fill in for you, Sean. Oh, but um, so, since that episode, though, all pretentious Anglicans in the U.S. have been kind of— uh, Eliminated. Not eliminated. They, we've all just kind of adjusted, right? We've oh, grown since then. Repented. Yes. There's no. There's no them. It's all us. Oh, oh it's us. Yes. We are those pretentious Anglicans. That's right. Says the man from. The and we've house. repented. Oh come on. <laughs> growing. We're growing. Uh, um, yes. So. So. It's okay. So it is a relatively new tradition, right? It's not, I mean, it, it, this is not an ancient tradition uh, that goes back to the first century. Um, and some people do it where the candles are different uh, characters in the story, and some are Christian virtues. Um, some do it as Christian virtues, and uh, sometimes people light it in the service as part of the service. Some people light it beforehand. Uh, some people just have people do it at home. How do you guys do it at res? Yeah, we do. So we hand out like a an Advent wreath guide for families, and basically all of the readings week by week are um, in the guide. And um, we have three purple, one pink candle, and then we have the big white candle in the center. And every week, our families get together on Sunday night or whenever they can kind of do it during that week, and uh, we'll light one of the candles, having read one of the readings for the day, the reading for the day. Then we'll give them um, a prayer that goes along with that reading, the theme of the reading, and they'll light the candle, and then they'll sit in silence together and wonder at the light. And so every week as they go through, they'll be reading stuff from Isaiah or stuff from um, yeah, John, uh, the Gospel of John or certain Gospels. Um, this, like, I, like I said before, the, the angel Gabriel coming to the Virgin Mary. We'll, we'll read all of these things. Um, and there's sometimes like we'll do hope. Um, and then peace, and then joy, and then love, um, to kind of theme the each of the weeks. But you'll go through each week, lighting a candle, reading, praying, having some silence, and especially if you have kids, to say, "What does this make you think? What are you wondering about? Who are you in the story?" Um, as you read these uh, scriptural stories, right. and for kids, like I don't know what it is. Even for me, like as an adult, fires kind of interesting and has this effect on you where you're like, yeah, let's just look at this for a minute and be quiet. It's fantastic. Um, And so by the time you get to, at least for our family as well, by the time you get to Christmas, um, lighting this candle on Christmas morning, reading Luke chapter two, the very Mm -hmm. beginning there, praying these prayers has become a really, um, a very calming, very uh, reverent kind of moment, even with our little kids, they get it. When you light a candle, they get it for some reason. And sitting there and adoring this this miracle of God in the person of Jesus Christ coming to us, Emmanuel, um, our whole family just kind of has this moment. And so yeah. the, the wreath every week, by the time you've done it like now five times getting to Christmas, the wreath kind of has this symbolic, liturgical thing that it inflicts on your family life that just mm-hmm. just really beautiful and wonderful. Yeah, it's it's such a it's a visual thing that's you can see it growing like something's mm-hmm. coming, right? And uh you know, we do we actually do little advent calendars with our kids too. One of my sons loves Legos and so we get him a Lego advent calendar, right? And it's it is that's awesome. You know, it's uh uh it it has little boxes and so he gets to open up a different box every day and he gets a different Lego figure and each one somehow they all come together in a set by the end of the time. And it's just sort of contextualizing speaking that language with 
Legos and fire, right? Of, uh, of something, <laughs> something is coming, and, and 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 that we're progressing, and that we're moving. And I think this is one of the reasons why Advent is an extremely important time for church plants, and spe- specifically as well, because we're talking about these concepts of, um, um, the we're talking about these concepts of like expectation and preparation and story. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That and we are in a church plant setting. We have an expectation that God is doing something and God is moving, just like He has throughout history. Which we're remembering the grand story of redemptive history here during Advent. Um, and but then there's a local part of that story in our own local plants as well that we're remembering our story and and have expectation towards for what God is doing in our midst. And remembering that there's a preparation part of it too, where there's this, it, it reminds us why we're setting up chairs every week. It reminds mm-hmm. us why we are putting the nursery up and tearing it down every Sunday. It reminds us why we're doing all of this hard work because that's the, the preparation aspect that only has meaning and value because of the expectation part of it. And so I think just, just really taking time during Advent, no matter what stage of a church plant that you're in, uh, it, to really remember the, your story, remember where you've come from, remember where you're going, what are your expectations and the vision of where you think this thing is headed and what God is doing, and remembering why you're doing the hard work of it and celebrating that hard work uh, as well. Uh, I think Advent's just a beautiful time for all of those things. Totally. And if I was planting again right now in Advent, I think I would, and I we've done this for other things, but especially with church plants, to invite people to be quiet and be still and create space for God to speak. Um, instead of them just hearing from you what you want to accomplish in a church plant, to call your people into a moment of listening prayer through Advent and say, what is it that God is speaking to us as his people? And let's let's create this space in Advent where we can fast and pray and listen and prepare, like you said, Dan. And then to it's really fascinating when you do this with like a, a a core group of leaders or launch team or a leadership huddle, whatever you call it, to invite them into listening prayer this way over a long period of time. And then to bring in the results of those prayers, kind of the ways that God's been moving and speaking in people's lives, getting people to tell the story of what God's saying and doing in them mm-hmm. can be a real eye-opener in terms of patching together vision for this church plant and like what it is that God's actually doing. Mm-hmm. This is a this is one of those just like Lent, an incredible opportunity to do just that. Mm-hmm. Um, another big thing that I know people are have been waiting to do with the new prayer book. We have this 2019 Book of Common Prayer in the Anglican Church, and a lot of churches have been waiting for Advent Gear A to begin with this new liturgy with the new prayer book. A lot of churches have already I know a lot of, who have already uh, begun using this, um, whether fully or in part. But Advent is kind of the time that at least our church has decided we're going to implement the new liturgy. Mm-hmm. We're going to yeah. put prayer books back in seats. We're going to launch straight into that. And um, so whether it's a prayer book, new liturgy, or something like that, Advent's also a great time to introduce something new that corresponds with that season of mm-hmm. preparation and space creation in people's lives. So yeah, um, that's what we're doing at Res, Dan. We're going to put in the new prayer book and the new yep. liturgy. So. Yeah, and uh, here at Redeemer, we we are celebrating uh, ad orientum the, oh, throughout Lent. Um, throughout Advent. Whoa, 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 whoa! I'm usually the typical like Anglo-Catholic voice right. yeah. in this. We're doing that too, but Dan, what is ad orientum, and why is it the most amazing thing ever? 
I, I will let <laughs> you, like, you I'll answer. Set you up. <laughs> I'll let you answer the second part. Um, oh, come the, on. Uh, <laughs> what it basically means, if you're not familiar with the with the Latin phrases here, it, it is. Uh, <laughs> um, Who is? I mean, they, their people are. <laughs> it's uh, uh, versus populum would be celebrating the the Eucharist facing the people, which is the majority of our churches in the Anglican Church in North America. Um, uh, the majority of Anglican churches in the in the U.S. at least will just or U.S. and Canada. Uh, would celebrate versus populum, but there's a number as well that that celebrate um, uh, ad orientum, which means with the communion table uh, pushed underneath the, the cross or to the cross, and you're back the celebrants back to the people. Um, uh, and so, really, what it comes down to is it's a matter of emphasis. It's a matter of when we're celebrating towards the people, we are, we're celebrating, uh, and emphasizing the accessibility of the table of Christ, um, due to the grace of Christ. When we have our back to the, to the people, um, and, and we are focused on the cross and that we're emphasizing the, the eminence and the majesty of God. Both things are extremely important for us to emphasize. Uh, and, and the Eucharist really emphasizes both. And, and so, that's why in in this church where I am that uh, that we for most of the year we're versus populum, but during the penitential seasons when we are coming and laying down before the cross, uh, we are uh, at orientum or our back to to the people. So, um, I mean, I'll let you bestow oh, no, that's, virtue. That's really well put. I mean, we do the same thing. I know there's some like experts in liturgical theology or liturgic who would say, "Don't change the altar." Okay, right, fair right. enough. I get it. Sure. Yeah. Um, but. But that's just not what we do. We we love um, just between you and I, Dan. We move our altar around. Yeah. Just don't tell anybody that. Okay. We do the versus popular uh, populum thing during um, most of the year. There's certain high feast days that we'll push it against the wall and um, face east uh, with the people in the celebration. Advent is one of those times. Lent is one of those times. Um, and especially like Christmas and Easter and All Saints, we, especially All Saints, the reason I do this, and this kind of emphasizes what, what is it, um, what, what is the ministry of Ad Orientum to the people? It, with, it, the way kind of I talk about it at Res is people aren't used to having their backs, having their, someone's back turned against them, turned on them. And so for the celebrant to turn his back to the people isn't to shun them, but is actually to recognize that um, we're not the only ones here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, this isn't yeah. about us, actually. Um, and we join with angels and archangels and all the, the company of heaven, right, um, anticipating the one who is to come, Jesus Christ, um, both in our recognition of Christmas, but also in his second coming. Uh, we look to the east, the anticipation of a kind of uh, resurrection from the East, returning from the East, that kind of thing. Yeah. So Adorantum as a priest, as a celebrant, and as ministers at the altar, if you have like acolytes and deacons and subdeacons, it's actually really beautiful um, to celebrate that way. And I bet for the people as well, I've heard some people in, in our congregation say, you know, when, when we face East, it feels more intimate, which is a surprising sure. feedback. Sure. But I think I get it because it feels the same way to me too, where I'm not looking – at people, but we are all looking um, to God and praying, and it just kind of works and makes sense. Yeah. Um, so Advent is a perfect time for us to to do that and not make this about us and not really kind of make a ton of eye contact with each other at that moment, at least. But to um, 
and there's lots of kneeling and bowing and stuff like that. And so during those times for it to be this intimate moment of prayer at the altar is like a really great way to prepare for um, the Lord's coming. Yeah. And so that's how we talk about it at Res. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I think this is a good moment for us to to just pause at how we how, and, and discuss how we look at things as Anglicans, because I think in our in our you know few minute description of this right here, I, we didn't we didn't go deep enough or far enough for for some folks uh, on the more Catholic stream. It wouldn't be satisfying. What we just there's so much more to it than what we just just laid out. Uh, and oh, they would sure. want us to go more more in depth in that. But then there's I think there's other folks on the opposite side, the lower church, more evangelical side of things, who would kind of sort of roll their eyes at this discussion and go, I mean, I don't need all those Latin things. Like I just that's just all weird stuff. Like we're just kind of doing church. And I think I, I, I think I would sort of call both parties to the carpet there and go, okay, let's, I think the evangelicals who would just dismiss this offhand are really missing something. Um, Mm. And uh, in missing a moment uh, to be able to help shape and form their congregations and their, their, uh, their launch teams and whatever else it is that they have, um, using something that is very much a part of our Anglican heritage. And, uh, and I would, I think also that on the other side of it, let's not get so wrapped up in the, in the, the, the formalities of it that we lose the pastoral side of it, um, as well and the experiential side of it. Um, that's important also, but I think, I think that Advent is a great time, especially since it's a short season, uh, to to introduce some of these things that are very different. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it's just it's very different, and to explain them, and because even the secular world understands that this time of the year is supposed to be set apart for something else. I, I mean, there's something else that's very different at this point, but mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of the the holiday season has you know whatever that's become. There's still a sense of it's set apart. And I think that we can capitalize on that. And just to underscore what you said, Dan, I would even be really suspicious about some of like the pushback from either side, whoever, I don't know, maybe there's no pushback. Probably all all of our listeners are like, yeah, rock on. This is awesome. But if there is, let's say hypothetically, I would want to know how much of that pushback is actually just kind of part of the residue of secular expectations Hmm. Um, that there's this kind of underlying assumption that no, we are, no one else is really in this room. What we're doing is just kind of this ritual that you know falls on deaf ears so to speak transcendently there's there's nobody really out there and uh, for us to do these things not just for the sake of tradition or liturgy um and and also not on the other end just to kind of appease and make people comfortable and not offended or weirded out or anything neither are the point the point here is to induce a sacred imagination in these people that we're leading in worship mm-hmm. and to recognize the secular assumption is 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 wrong. God is present with us. We do worship with a whole communion of saints, with a whole cosmology of like yeah. that's sacred and full yeah. of yeah. Um, enchanted and and beautiful heavens. And so, I think however you approach this, whether you, I think the way you apply it can vary quite a bit. But I think the most important thing to keep in mind is what is it? What we're trying to induce in people is a way of seeing, um, of recognizing the presence of God that is just weird. And, you know, and that's okay. And once we can kind of get over like, yeah, this is weird and keep that as the main point, which if people can become aware of the presence of God and worship him more truthfully and in spirit and truth, then man, we're, we're doing, we're, we're allowing the liturgy to do what the liturgy does Mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've, we've talked a lot here. I mean, for church plants that are in later stages, because I mean, what we're talking about here is, is churches that have, 
congregations that they're having That's public right. Sunday worship and, and things. And we're very mindful of the fact that, of course, as this is a church planting podcast, a number of our folks who are listening don't have public worship on Sundays uh, or any other time at, at this point. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I think a couple of things that, that we would we would say to you in this in that phase is one many of the things that we've mentioned about experiencing Advent you can live out within your within your launch team gathering uh, within the your small group whatever it is whatever phase that you are in uh, if you're just at this point celebrating evening prayer together um, there there are still ways through prayers and through how you uh, what you emphasize and what you teach on that can help them to really live into this Advent season um, Advent wreaths are a good uh, are a good corporate um, uh, project to be able to engage in together and make together and share in together. Um, memorizing the proper preface, even if you're not using it all the time right now, is still another another great thing. Um, how, Sean, how would you say for folks who are in that stage where they don't have public worship yet, um, and we're and let's let's move a little bit past Advent then and into Christmas. Mm. How do you think that someone who doesn't have a, a public worship in their in their church plant yet, how do you start to look towards Christmas? What should they do? How should they handle the Christmas season? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question, um, and I'm not sure I have. There's a simple answer to it. I think there's probably a lot of discernment. And just being in touch with your people, um, because you could plan something huge for Christmas only to find that like most of your people go out of town for Christmas. Right. So yeah. I think just practically, you want to know, um, poll your people. What's what? What are your plans? What do you? What are your traditions? What do you typically do in terms of being in town or not? Um, and get a feel for if this is a time in which you need to really um, apply a big push. Uh, in terms of like program, in terms of services, in terms of things that, that you want to do during that season. Or if if no one, if not a lot of people are going to be there simply because there hasn't been a tradition established with your congregation yet, which is totally fine. Um, if that's the case, I just wouldn't make a huge, um, like a, a huge push and a big deal about something if uh, a lot of your core people are not going to be available. Um, what I would do, though, is just think through when will they be available because Christmas isn't the only thing that you could do during Christmas Christmastide. Um, but there are things like the 12 nights of Christmas that you can hold um, kind of 12-night potlucks or dinner parties at people's houses. Have different people in your um, leadership host uh, kind of a like a snack or an appetizer and, and beverages kind of a night. Mm-hmm. And, and every night schedule or every other night if it's like too much. Schedule time where you're getting around to people's houses and praying together about the church plant, or mm-hmm. singing carols during during Christmas twi- uh, mm-hmm. Christmas time. Or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what we do is uh, at Epiphany, at the end of the twelve days, um, we get together at the pub and do a big blessing of the beer, and we sing a ton of Christmas carols and bless chalk, and people take it home with a guide on how to bless their homes with chalk. We we just find, uh, you know, there's face painting and all kinds of fun things. We just throw a big party in Epiphany. Other traditions are to drag your uh, crusty old Christmas tree to the backyard and light that sucker on fire. Of course, taking all precautions, right? I'm catching a theme here of fire with you. Well, it's Epiphany, man. You got to (laughs) like light some stuff up. Yeah. Um, Yeah, There's all kinds of uh, fun things to do around the Christmas season that I think for church planners, you could still be really creative in gathering people, throwing a good party. Yeah. I I mean, I think think to, to kind of sum up the heart behind what you're saying is, 
uh, just be wise and let your church act its age. Like if you if you right, if yeah. you're not doing public worship and you have seven people that are gathering, don't try to do a lessons and carol service. You know, I mean that's just it's just too much right now. You know, but some of the things that that um, that we did was such sweet times during those early days of the church plant. Uh, I remember when we were down in Atlanta planting, and um, we we had about twelve, maybe fifteen people. We had just started just in that October, even just started gathering folks together and. There was this idea of a church plant. And so so Christmas, we only had about 12, 15 folks that were starting to come in the evening times. and and uh, but we realized that uh, that a couple of them, had no family anywhere, um, and they had friends that had no family anywhere. And so just as the church planter, we hosted Christmas lunch, and we said, anybody's going to be in town, not with your family, come over. And we had a couple of our folks, maybe two or three of our folks, but then they brought two or three of their friends as well that just didn't have anywhere to go on Christmas, and we just had a great meal. Uh, you know, we right. just had ham and whatever else. Um, uh, and uh, and so just just little things like that, pastoral, pastorally and building community. And, you know, it might be one of those things too, where if you only have a few people in town, but you want to be able to do something together, go together to a service at another church. Like, I mean, yeah, if there's a faithful great. church in town that's doing a great Christmas Eve service, well, then the 10 of you and your church plant go together and go to that service and eat dinner beforehand or whatever else. Just share as, as part of the kingdom. So just act your age. Don't feel the pressure of having to do big program during Christmas. Let, uh, let Advent be a time when you're settling into who you are, but with expectation and preparation and, and introducing these new and unique things that help to form the culture and the community that, that you're, that you're in. And then let Christmas just be a sweet and, and joyous time. And don't, don't place over expectations on it, um, uh, as, as well. Um, so, uh, so I think I think living into those uh, into these seasons in a, in a wonderful way can really deepen your church plant in profound ways. Yeah, and I think it's really really important. Um, I think gravity just pulls the church planner's calendar into like chaos. <laughs> it just gets crammed, right? That's how gravity works. in In December, you're just going to get busier unless you intend otherwise. And I right. think maybe some church planners they also just need to hear in Advent. You have permission to not hustle to make a church. Yeah. And you don't have to make everything happen. In fact, one of the most faithful things you could be doing right now is to create margin enough for you to pray and to fast and seek the Lord in this season. There will be times for hustle, and Advent is one of those times in which you're invited not to. Yeah. but to actually open up space. And so yeah. I think as a planter, you would want to extend that to your people as well and and give them permission to slow down and to create space and to genuinely hear from the Lord. Yeah. And um, there are plenty of opportunities to gather them, plenty of things to do, but don't let that be something that just kind of sucks you into a full calendar. Um, but you really have to just fight for space and margin, I think, in this time. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, good. Well, um, man, fantastic conversation about these things. I just love this season. And, uh, um, and speaking, speaking of seasons as well, this is the, this is the last always forward forward podcast of this season. Oh yeah. Because we are, um, we are launching into Advent and then leaving you with expectation for more 
going into the beginning <laughs> of twenty of twenty twenty. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so we're we are going to invest in our local churches and in our families, and uh, and uh, we 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 will constantly be praying for you, uh, church planters, because we love you and we're thinking about you during this time as well. And um, and you know, I, I think it's important just from a pastoral standpoint as well that if 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 you're out there planting and you're just feel like you're kind of alone in this season and confused and um, or just need someone to reach out to, um, um, contact us here at Always Forward. You can do it through the website. Um, you can email me. Uh, my email's easy to find, dan.alger, that's A-L-G-E-R, dan.alger at anglicanchurch.net. And um, and uh, and you can uh, you can just reach out, and I'd love to be able to to chat with you, pray with you, whatever you need over the course of this uh, of this next season. So um, we definitely love you guys very much, and uh, we'll we'll see you again at the beginning of of next year. Everybody have a wonderful Advent. Take it easy. Take some time to um, create some space and seek the Lord. And remember, you're not alone in this work. And until next time, forward, always forward. Thanks for listening to the Always Forward podcast. Visit us at www.always-forward.com for more resources, to submit your questions or to interact with us. See you next time.